All right, what is up, team? Welcome back to the show. It is Q&A time. Let's go ahead and just get right into the questions today. All right, so first question we have, thoughts about creatine. Uh, it's lit. Uh, creatine is great. I don't think there is past caffeine and probably whey protein. There's not like a more researched supplement that is proven to work with a huge amount of people than creatine. For most everyone, the few exceptions to this would be like, um, I know like one client that just hopped on board. He has, for whatever reason, he tends to get worse headaches when he's taking creatine. There are some in very, very, very rare people who shouldn't take creatine, but past that, most everyone I would recommend creatine to. Three to five grams per day. Um, creatine monohydrate is all you need. Really past that, like, there's all these uh, quote-unquote special brands of creatine, like creatine HCL. That said, there aren't, like, it's basically just a way to massively mark up the price of creatine, which is a very cheap supplement normally without really giving you any added benefits. So just go with creatine monohydrate. Again, it's typically pretty damn cheap. Um, Creapure is typically what you want to look for on the label. Now, I know she also had a follow-up question to this. I'm reverse dieting at the moment and thinking about taking creatine for the first time. Do you have any suggestions on how to introduce it? I have read it makes you retain water, so I'm not sure how to track the weight for the week I start taking it. I mean, what I would say is, okay, if you should know if you're reverse dieting about where you maintain your weight, right? So what I would say is if you were weight stable the previous week, then you take creatine. So I would not change calories this week. I would keep calories the same as they were the previous week. And if calories stayed the same the previous week and movement stayed the same, then you're not going to gain weight on the intake, right? So what I would say from there is simply take creatine. And if your weight bumps up a couple pounds, no, okay, that's probably a benefit of the creatine. This is really a thing where I would say you're probably overthinking it. Um, again, I would just say don't change calories. And even like I want what I would have you consider as someone reverse dieting. So let's say the weight spikes up by two pounds. Okay, so we know that if the previous week, and again, like the goal of a reverse diet is slowly bumping up maintenance. So you should be at maintenance currently, which is a very much a moving target. Um, if the previous week you were maintaining on your calorie intake, then realize that like if you gain two pounds and it's like, oh shit, I don't know if that two pounds is water from creatine or fat. Okay, work through the math of what it would take to gain two pounds of fat. If previously you were at your maintenance intake, we know that to gain a single pound of fat, you need to eat about 3,500 calories, right? So across the course of that week to gain two pounds of fat, you would have to eat an extra 7,000 calories or an extra 1,000 calories per day versus what you did the previous week. So really it's like splitting hairs. Like what if like a little tiny percentage of that, that I, weight that I gained is from fat and it's like not water retention from creatine, I think is what she's saying. Again, like just keep calories the same as last week. If the scale jumps up one to two pounds, you'll know that that's from water. And then, okay, maybe that's your new normal weight. That's perfectly fine. Um, past that point, you won't like keep gaining water weight. Just I would jump right at three to five grams um, and you're good. That's really how I'd approach it. I wouldn't think too much deeper into it than that.
Next question we have, your maintenance body weight with body fat percentage. All right, so here I think he's asking like what my maintenance body weight is and what my like maintenance body fat percentage is. Um, this really kind of speaks to the last question we have. And that like in a very similar note to that, like how much of a moving target maintenance is. Like realize that I could currently be 250 pounds and like I could eat up to 250 pounds. I could eat in a large surplus and then simply maintain like, okay, I could eat. Okay. So like right now I'm 200 and what? 17 pounds. I could eat in a surplus for the next 20, 30 weeks and get, get up to 250 pounds. But then like, as soon as I transition my calories to maintenance, okay, I don't want to gain past 250 pounds. Let's say at 4,200 calories per day, I maintain 250 pounds. Okay, cool. Then that's like my maintenance body fat, right? Like the, one of the common misunderstandings about maintenance calories or, and as an extension of that maintenance body fat, which is not a, or body weight, which isn't a phrase you hear super commonly, but like, um, is that it's like this one fixed point that your body wants to always pull you back to. But like very much understand the calories that you maintain on, your maintenance calories are something that's always in flux, right? Because it's very much determined by A, your basal metabolic rate, which isn't something we can really adjust a whole lot. Basically just calories you burn through breathing um, to retain muscle mass, your organs, et cetera, right? So unless we're adding more, we're like cutting you open and adding more organs or you're selling organs on the black market and like your, thus your BMR decreases, like <laughs> past that, we can't really impact your BMR too much. We have non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is basically s- s- calories burned through pacing, fidgeting, blinking. So like if yesterday I walked 8,000 steps, today I walked 10,000 steps, all other things being the same, my maintenance calories today are going to be higher than yesterday because I also burn more calories. So it takes more calories for me to maintain. We have the thermic effect of food, um, calories burned during digestion. So again, like as I eat more, I'm actually burning more calories as well. Now, this is only anywhere from like on typical 10 to 20% of the overall calories you burn in a day come from a thermic effect of food or 10, 10 to 20% of the calories you consume on average and actually about 10 to 20% of the calories you have, maybe closer to five to 15% of the calories you burn in a day. But regardless, it's not enough to account for like, you still are burning this percentage of the food you eat and not the overall food you eat, but eating more does, um, again, increase calories we can maintain. And then the thermic effect of exercise, because basically we burn calories when we're training. So the more we're training, if I train six days per week instead of four days per week, okay, all of a sudden, again, my maintenance calories have increased. And similarly, it takes more calories to move a larger body. So thus, maintenance calories are very much a product of how much we're currently training, how much we're currently moving, how much we're currently eating, and our body size, things that are very much in flux. And plus, like when we're going like the example earlier, she's in a reverse diet. Okay, so we know that we're feeding her more. So let's say that she's retaining more water and her muscle glycogen stores are a bit more full. So let's say she's five pounds heavier than she was at the end of the diet. And that's 100% muscle glycogen and water weight. All right, still, it takes more calories to move that larger body. So she's burning more calories there. Plus, since she's reverse dieting, she's eating more. So she's burning more through the thermic effect of food. Plus, she probably has more energy 
So she burns more calories through neat. She just fidgets, paces, blinks more than she would before. And she's able to train harder. So again, she's burning more calories. So again, like, and the opposite happens when we diet. So this is all something that's very much like constantly in flux. So like your maintenance, you can really, as long as you control calories, there's not, your maintenance body weight is kind of like a, wherever you choose it to be right now he could be referring more to like this idea of body fat set point theory which is this idea that we like kind of have this fixed set point that our body always pulls us back to when again that's not really the case this research seems to show that it's a lot more a settling point than a set point like again it's a we do have some things that we're predisposed to genetically so like appetite some of that there's a genetic component to that um our relationship with food a lot of that could be related to how we grew up like with the relationship our parents had with food we have all these different factors like that that can really impact like where our body weight tends to settle and it, it's similarly like your disposition to burn a lot of calories through meat some of that is genetic as well right like some people just naturally fidget, pace, and blink more than other people do. Now, the thing about the cool thing about this, though, is as well, like when it comes to body fat set, set point, or again, as I like to call it, a settling point, I'm also going to link up a blog that I wrote about that's in the show notes. It goes super in depth on this topic. But the thing about that is, it's still very much under our control, right? Like, well, I can't control how much I fidget unless I like literally sit here and think about it all day. I can't set a set goal. Well, I can't necessarily control my appetite. Uh, I kind of can. Like to an extent I can because I can focus on more satiating foods. I can eat a lot of protein. I can put myself in situations that require less willpower. So very much like, and this is a major thing we work through with so many clients. Like so much, I would say like 80, 80-ish percent of your settling point is habitual and things that we can change. Now, again, there are like, again, like how your genetic predisposition to appetite. Now, that said, like, um, even when you dig into that, there's things like I can think of a couple of clients that I work with that just naturally have a much higher appetite than other clients who are the same body size, age, sex, and about the same muscle mass as them. But there we do things like, okay, we know for you, we're going to have to put a bigger priority on fiber and maybe your protein intake is going to be closer to 1.5 grams per pound of body weight versus just like one, right? But still, like, it's things that we can manage. All right. So from there, bringing all of this back to the original question, which was, like, kind of, I think, for, for me personally, where my settling point is. Oh, man. It's a hard question. I would say currently, like, last I know, where I naturally felt the best is between 200 I would say between 205 and 220 is really where it's probably right around 10 is 210 is the sweet spot like if we're going to choose a mid-range there where that's okay I'm eating plenty of food I'm not super hungry I still feel lean I can still see my abs but my training performance is great I know for me like when I'm below 200 pounds and hopefully by the time I end this cut it's leaner than or it's heavier than that because of course the goal is to have put on muscle and gotten heavy at any given body fat percentage but like the body fat percentages that I start to reach when I get below 200 pounds 
that's where I start to feel like shit, right? Like we all have this floor to our body fat where once we drop below that point, we just don't feel good anymore, right? Because so many of our hormones are tied to the actual size of the fat cells in our body. And when those fat cells get too small, then our body just can't perform like we want, right? Like no matter what, because when those fat cells specifically, so your fat cells secrete a hormone called leptin, which really ties into our appetite levels and how much our body quote unquote puts the brakes on all these processes that really allow us to burn more calories. So basically when leptin levels drop, which again, like when fat cells start to shrink and when we dramatically reduce carbohydrate intake, leptin levels will drop. So when that happens, our body will kind of give us or like it won't let us expend energy as freely. Basically, we feel a lot more lethargic um, and again, less fidgeting, pacing, blinking, etc. But to take it back to that original point, again, we'll feel a lot more lethargic. Um, and thus it's harder to train hard, harder to build muscle right now. Again, like where this floor is for people, it does vary quite a bit from person to person that said, like for me, I know like last, last time I was that lean, it was when I was below 200 felt like shit. I know on the flip side of that, once I get above like 220, I just feel too fluffy. And once again, I'm like getting winded a lot quicker in my training, um, pumps aren't as good. I just don't feel as good in my training. So I would say for me currently, right about that range, body fat percentage, I have no idea, honestly, what that is for me. I haven't actually measured my body fat in a long time because it's so irrelevant for so many people. Like 12% on me could look completely different than 12% on you, right? Depending on where you tend to hold fat. Like, you know, when I gain a lot of it goes to my butt right away. So like I could still have abs, but maybe I'm 12 or 13% body fat. I would say for me, that's probably somewhere that's at like being between that 205 and 220 or 205 and 215. I'm probably somewhere between 11 and 13% body fat. Honestly, not as lean as I would like to be able to stay and like also feel great in my training. But that's also the point of building more muscle, right? Like as I continue to add more muscle, and this is something I talk with clients about all the time as well. Like as I add more and more muscle, I don't have to lose. So let's say like at that 210 number, let's say I have 30 pounds of body fat on my frame. Now, if I add another five pounds of muscle, I can be 215 or like when I get back to 210 or whatever, like next time I have 30 pounds of fat on my frame, but let's say as opposed to before I had 180 pounds of lean mass. Now I have 185 pounds of lean mass because the ratio of muscle to fat, I have more muscle relative to the amount of fat compared to like where I was last time. Thus my body fat percentage will be lower and I'll look leaner despite still having the same amount of fat, like the actual like weight or quantity of fat on my frame is still the same, but body fat percentage will be lower and I'll look leaner, but I'll still feel great. Right? So and I know like this is something that I talked to with Chris Barricat about quite a bit. Like that floor is lower depending on the person. Now that said, like I still feel good there. I can still see my abs and whatnot. The thing to realize is like as well for anyone and anyone that's like done a photo shoot before understands this. Like I remember on my first photo shoot I did like on the way down when I was like 205 pounds, I was like, damn, I am absolutely shredded and I had a lot less muscle than, than I have now as well. But like, then like after any of that process, it does for quite some time change, like how you see yourself and what you truly perceive as lean. 
very interesting thing mentally. But in a very long-winded answer, um, I would say that's about where I tend to fall. All right, next question we have. What to do the day after overeating? So this very much depends on the client and your goals and also where you're at mentally. So knowing the context of who this question is coming from, just because she's asked a couple other questions, I would say not to worry about it, especially because this is someone who I know is a reverse society. Typically, like in a situation like yours, what I would say is, again, like what we talked through before, how many calories would you, okay, how many calories did you eat? Let's say, tip because typically like overeating gets blown way out of proportion in people's heads and it's not actually as big of a deal as people make it out to be. The real reason overeating for like a single day typically stalls someone's fat loss is because they let it, it's like, fuck, well, I already fell off. What's the point? I completely ruined it. The scale is three pounds heavier than it was yesterday. And if I can like, if, if me eating an extra piece of pizza causes the scale to go up three pounds, it causes me to gain three pounds of fat. Like what's even the point of this? But the reality is like, that's not actually (laughs) the case. One of the, the thing I always work through with clients is, okay, so let's actually look, look at, and this is why I always encourage clients like, Hey, hey, even if you are going to go over your calorie, just track, right? Because it's helpful for us to have this data. Well, it might seem like quote unquote restrictive or like a mind fuck. It's really like one of the most helpful things you can do because then we can look at, okay, we know your calorie targets are 2200. Now you hit 2,500 calories. So, well, it seemed like, and like the client will probably feel like 2,500 to 2,500, 700. Like typically when a client feels like they completely ruined things by like overeating so much, typically it's like a single day where, hey, you went 300, uh, normally it's more like 200 to 400 calories over. Like really it's not that big of a deal, right? So then, okay, let's look through this. All right, so like, it, it, again, because I know this girl's a maintenance, she's reverse diet, and let's talk through, like, in this situation specifically. Okay, so you're currently at maintenance, right? Every other day, you've eaten the amount that we know you would need to eat to maintain your weight. Um, Again, like, let's work through the math of what it would take for you to actually gain a single pound of fat. You have to eat 3,500 calories over your maintenance intake to gain a single pound of fat. You ate 200 so what, that's like one seventeenth of a pound of fat that you just gained. So I mean, what I would say is like, hey, maybe try to walk a little bit more today. But honestly, I wouldn't, I literally wouldn't even worry about this. Like it's a single day. It's not that big of a deal. What really screws people here is the mind games they play of like, oh man, I completely ruined my progress. Okay, now I need, I definitely need to go back in a deficit today. I definitely need to walk like an extra 10,000 steps today. I need to do an extra hour of cardio to make up for that. And then it just gets into like this terrible vicious cycle of like <laughs> eating, feeling like shit. Um, and then it, it kind of like, and then you eventually like run yourself into the ground, uh, eat to make yourself feel better. And then it kind of rinses and repeats itself. Now, um, so really as a whole, like in situations like this, I'm pretty hesitant to say anything except for get back on track because really it's just not that big of a deal. And especially like, again, because I know that as someone who's actually trying to gain, I would say like in, in the situation of any client who is trying to build, I always say, Hey, I would rather you slightly overeat than slightly undereat. Because again, like 
fat loss is something that can happen very, very quickly. Building muscle is a slow process on the flip side. So the thing here is so many people try to stay lean all the time and build muscle. The problem is muscle is a very calorically expensive tissue. So if we're not feeding your body enough, if we're sending your body the signal, even like semi-frequently that enough calories, that there's not like an abundance of calories to spend on all these things, calorically expensive things like muscle, like adding muscle to your frame, your body isn't going to prioritize building muscle. Now that's not to say it's not possible, but outside of like, and then we talked about body recomposition quite a bit on this show, but outside of like the cases where you are a prime candidate for body recomposition, which again, like from what I know of this listener specifically, I would say you're probably not. Um, past that, like, especially if you are someone that's already super, super lean, you're just not going to be in a good place to build muscle. Your body won't allow you to prioritize it again until we are feeding in enough calories consistently. So in the case of someone trying to build, like, Again, remembering that building muscle takes a long time. Like adding two pounds of muscle in a month is impeccable progress, right? That said, like most everyone can easily lose two pounds of fat in a week. So if we look at it from that perspective and realize that like if half of the next month you are too worried about like, what if I gain a little bit of extra fluff and thus you're under eating, you're actually just going to spin your wheels and you're not going to build any muscle, right? So what can happen here is you can literally spend six months to a year to your, the rest of your training career always trying to stay too lean while building muscle and never actually building any muscle. On the flip side, if we're like if we tend to slightly under eat, on the flip side, if we're like 100, 200 calories over, worst case is okay, we built a good amount of muscle over the last four months. I also added some fluff. So okay, cool. We can literally hop into a diet in like four to eight weeks. You can have all that off. And you'll have an extra, what, you have an extra six pounds of muscle now to go along with that, right? So, and it's very much like, like, in the case of my most recent building phase, because this is something I've talked about quite a bit lately. Like, uh, over the course of a year, I gained 25 pounds, and I got a good amount of fluffier. I am, what, in the middle of week six, and I've already lost 15 pounds, right? Like Now, again, keep in mind, like, anyone listening to that, I started this process at 230 pounds. So it's a lot different than if you're like 130 pound woman, right? But around 1% of body weight per week is a very realistic rate of loss. So like any extra bit of fat that I put on, you can get, you can lose that shit very, very quickly. So it doesn't make sense to spin your wheels worried about gaining fat and not allowing yourself to gain muscle. So basically just not accomplishing anything when any extra bit of fluff you gain, you can lose very quickly. So um, those are my thoughts on that. As of now, not as of now, but as of this show, those are all the questions we have. 